8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So there we are. Good evening to you and welcome to the show. Lots to talk about as we always do every single night here on The Viewpoint. My name is Ashraf Garda and you can tweet me at Ashraf Garda. Also do the same for SFM Radio when you are tweeting. Uh, but also use that hashtag SFM Viewpoint. It's really the best way to, to pick up a trend of discussion. Of course, you can call in and you should. 0891-104-207 because calling in on a talk show is always first prize and trumps up anything else. But you have other options. SMS is 40938 and you can also WhatsApp voice note us if you don't want to engage, okay? But then maximum 30 seconds, ideally 20 seconds if you're going to send that message. It's 0614-104-107, 0614-104-107. We will talk about um, a call by the right to know uh, for the for the Zonda Commission, in fact, to probe into the role of broadcasters. Goodness, that's going to be an important discussion. But that comes up later on. For now, let's get to our big hitter and for a change, he's in the Cape Town studio. He represents the IFP, the Inkata Freedom Party, and we've chatted to him before, so we'll do it again. Uh, Imkuleko Klangwa. Good chatting to you, and you're far away this time. Welcome to the show. An absolute pleasure, Ashraf. Good evening to you and the listeners. It is indeed unfortunate that one's not in Johannesburg, but nonetheless, let's make use of technology for the industrial revolution. Well, there you are. So let me let me let, of things. let me let you let me put you into a secret uh, that a very public secret, <laughs> if I can say that. I didn't do it, but I meant to do it the other day um, and post something on social media that ideally I I would like I'd like to have the cabinet representative of of different political parties at cabinet level. Okay. Um, uh, representing young and old. And amongst the people that I would put into my cabinet would be somebody by the name of uh, Mkuleko Klangwa. So I thought I'd just <laughs> tell you, I haven't yet done it. <laughs> when I put my mind to who the other people should be, I'll, I'll let you know. But uh, but that's the one. Which gets me to... to uh, I'll uh, be happy to serve at your pleasure, Well, Mr. there you are. But but that gets me to ask you a very serious question. You know, sure. something we've talked about a few times this week already, which is, what do you think of our system where... Once the, the dominant political party gets into power, they elect a president, and the president alone, not even his party or her party, if the president's female, has the, the right to actually be part of that consultative decision. So they're not obliged to even speak to the rest. That means the, the president chooses a cabinet all by himself or all by herself. What, what do you make of... I, I find it problematic because it does mean that when we say every vote counts. In that case, every vote doesn't count. Well, it's the nature of the beast. I think that um, international practice um, well beyond South Africa is that presidents or prime ministers depending on the electoral system which countries adopt, that is the prerogative of the president or the prime minister. And we are landed with a similar kind of situation where ministerial appointments are a presidential prerogative. That is consistent with the Constitution. But we have to create um, checks and balances within the operational frameworks of the Constitution. And it's precisely why when Prince Butelezi was the Minister of Home Affairs, one of the things that um, he championed, and it, which came through the Fancel Slabit Commission report, uh, was the need to actually um, reform the electoral system in South Africa for the purposes of incorporating um, the... Uh, 
constituency-based kind of system for the purposes of accountability. Um, moreover, Principal Talese a few years ago tabled what we call the 18th Constitutional Amendment Bill, um, which sought to actually um, have the president elected directly and to have a prime minister. So in essence, what the IFP was um, doing at the time and still maintains is that we need to elect the president directly, one, but also separate the head of state, which would be the president, from the head of government, so that we can be able to create that kind of separation of powers. And of course, this is also consistent with our federal outlook as the IFP. Um, our system currently is not perfect, um, and it, it's a cause for concern. But what I think we should not do is to run into the trap um, of wanting the courts to decide um, the current manner in which presidents exercise their presidential prerogative. And I think the matter that um, the DA has taken to court to want to demand the president to explain the reasons why he fired a minister are inconsistent with the Constitution. Um, as it currently stands. Um, it is only through a constitutional amendment that we can be able to do that because for all intents and purposes, if a president has not been obliged to explain the reasons why he's appointing candidate X to a particular ministry consistent with the constitution, then we cannot for all intents and purposes want the president to explain. So it's a constitutional flaw. Well, well, I, well look, I, I agree with you. It does need constitutional changes, but I, I, I'm talking more about... The, the essence that you know is that something that down the line you would you would want to push for that means the fact that it's no, been for done sure. elsewhere it doesn't mean that that mustn't reform mustn't take place no for sure i think that um one of the things which needs to happen in south africa we need to adopt that american style of congressional hearings for the confirmation of candidates for cabinet positions um, and have the kind of interaction and engagement amongst peers before one assumes um, office. Um, so if you're going to be the Minister of Home Affairs, appear before the Portfolio Committee of Home Affairs for the purposes of a hearing just to interact and engage with you because the challenge we have is that our checks and balances sort of put Parliament at the periphery of the system. Um, we have to accept what everyone else does first um, before then Parliament can step in. So the reforms most definitely one agrees with. I mean, that's why I'm saying that the amendment which Prince Butelezi brought to the table of, um, you know, separating the presidency into two to a president and a prime minister was part and parcel of that so that you could be able to have these kinds of engagements. So, yeah, for sure it's necessary that we have these reforms. We have to elect our members of parliament or at least a section of them like we do with um, municipal council council where you've got the PR councillors and the ward councillors. So that kind of integration is very, very important because what happens is uh, members of parliament ultimately become accountable to political mm. parties and not the electorate and the constituency system becomes ad hoc. So we as the IFP are firmly of the view that um, it is in the national interest, it's, it, it is in the democratic interest that um, you have those kinds of built-in um, and mandatory checks and mm. balances. But okay, that's also lower down, but, but what, what about the cabinet specifically? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, your your leader, Mangosuta Butelezi, if I'm not mistaken, was part once of the of a government of national unity. And I think it was the, the he was the, uh, the he was the head of his minister. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, absolutely, uh, right. So, uh, do you think it's right that we should be calling for that now? 
Well, I mean, we have been very consistent as the IFP about the need for electoral reform in this country, and and we have always spoken about the need for greater powers for provinces and municipalities, um, precisely because we recognise the challenges contained therein. But one must also explain, Ashraf, and to the listeners that um, Principal Talesi and other IFP um, uh, comrades and leaders who were appointed to cabinet by Nelson Mandela at the time, it was because the constitution, um, the interim constitution, rather prescribed that any party that received 10% plus of the national vote will have seats on the government of national unity. So that was a peculiar and different situation. President Mbeki decided to extend those prescripts um, when he was president in his first term. Um, and so that was um, as a matter of political um, convictions on his part. But the political principle which we're speaking about is that there is a need for fundamental reforms in the electoral system in its entirety um, to give the electorates the chance and opportunity to have a direct say in terms of who represents them. And of course you cannot be a member of cabinet unless you have been elected to parliament. And so if you give the electorate the um, opportunity to elect members of parliament directly, um, you then set into motion um, the gateways which allow for those persons to occupy positions in government. So what we need to get right is the manner in which members of parliament are elected. And so we stand by the findings and the recommendations of the Fanzel Slabit report as commissioned by Principal Talizan as Minister of Home Affairs that um, those reforms are necessary even if you have an integrated system of proportional representation of members of parliament and those who will be elected directly by the constituents. Okay, lots more to come uh, in this case from our guest who effectively is uh, well is an MP with the with the IFP the Nkata Freedom Party is also very much their their national spokesperson when last we checked up certainly and I'm talking about Nkuleko uh, Klangwa you can engage with him on air oh what would you like to ask him and him about his party now that the election is imminent hashtag SFM viewpoint if you wish to tweet as well your thoughts and you can tag me, Ashraf Ganda, and S7 Radio, and you can certainly also tag Nkuleko uh, Klengwa as well as together with the IFP in Parliament. That's the hashtag as well. Okay, let's get your viewpoint next. Led by Martin Kremer, Mining Weekly offers unrivaled global coverage of the resources industry and the companies and people shaping it. Subscribe now at miningweekly.com. Kremer Media's Mining Weekly. Mining news around the clock. Not sure what to do on Friday nights? SABC3 brings you great Friday night movies this February. On 1 Feb at 10.30pm, join us for Fatal Memories. Then on 8 February at 9.30pm, join us for Buried Secrets. On 15 February at 9.30pm, cuddle up on the couch for Barefoot. And then on 22 February at 9.30pm, we end February Friday nights with City of God. The best Friday night movies with SABC3. Well, this is important. It's that time once again when the very best of South African companies, their products and the people behind them will be recognized at the 6th South African Premier Business Awards. Now, the Department of Trade and Industry, in partnership with Proudly South African and Brand SA, calls for entries into the 6th South African or SA Premier Business Awards. Uh, Now, the deadline for these entries is tomorrow, in fact. So, enter at sapremierbusinessawards.coza or for further information, uh, here's the number 0861 I have a sense that one number is missing there from that number. I'm going to just check with, with Tembo on that one there. 0861 
384 SA Premier Business Awards, rewarding excellence in business. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. Okay, let's get back to talking about uh, the Inkata Freedom Party and the election and the budget speech as well as well that took place uh, yesterday. Nkuleko Klengwa with me. Uh, let's talk about the budget speech. What's your? So I've been asking people for one word uh, to describe the budget speech, um, and and there's been some very interesting adjectives. I can tell you. What, what's yours? Crisis. So the you say crisis describes yeah. the budget speech. Wow. Yeah. Why? That's strong words. It's a funda- it was a fundamental admission of the problems that we have as a country. Um, I think that the fact that we have to, we've got a revenue shortfall of 234 billion rands because we'll only be able to generate um, less than we'll be spending. You've got an economy that's projected not to grow anything well beyond 1.5%. Unemployment remains stubbornly high at an average of 27%. Um, and the fact that um, our SOEs are not in a state of good, uh, you know, profitability and sustainability. Um, you've got a serious challenge of corruption um, in this country. And we've got a very heavy um, budget outlook in terms of social development. And that tells you that when you've got a, when you have to spend so much on social development, it speaks to a, a, a national crisis. Um, you are dealing with a situation where we are having to um, throw in a lot of money at our education and healthcare. Um, I mean, education, for example, takes about 25% of the national budget. And we still have got very little to show for it, particularly as we deal with the innovative and technological advances of the world. So um, the minister was at pains yesterday to speak about the planting of the seed. Mm. Um, and he even arrived there with an aloe. Um, and it was a very religious um, and biblical budget speech as well trying to induce and inspire hope because generally the country is in trouble. Um, so the fact that, I mean, as I was saying, that um, SOEs are in a perpetual state of crisis, ESCOM is going to be receiving um, about 23 billion rands every year for the next 10 years, amounting to 230 billion rands. Um, our SOEs continue to um, rely on bailouts and um, guarantees. They've used quite, uh, I mean, over 60 billion rands of that. So from all fronts where you look at it, it's a problem. VAT remains at 15% and the ripple effect of that, of course, is the increase in food prices and the cost to travel and the fact that the minister found himself having to um, increase uh, petrol levies by 29 cents for petrol and 30 cents for diesel. Those are all indications um, of uh, an economy that's struggling. More so, um, he had to increase the sin taxes in the main and generally, and those increases only give us about on average um, 13.5 billion rands. So we are still unable to plug the hole. Um, but what is what we must give credit to for the minister was his particular emphasis on the need for government to focus on creating a conducive and enabling and sustainable environment for businesses to operate. So therefore the need for infrastructure development, roads, um, water and electricity, and the call to private sector to invest more forcefully. But the investment which we expect from the public sector obviously is conditional to the fact that we deal with corruption, create and develop the necessary infrastructure. But in the main, the budget speech was the boldest admission yet that um, we're not out of the woods and all the dreams, hopes and aspirations that we have as a country um, are not within immediate reach at this point in time, simply because of the failure of the ANC generally to manage the economy.
Okay, so if you're saying crisis, right, uh, did, did you expect, I mean, what would you expect? You see, I'm looking at it two ways. The budget has to reflect a reality, right? No, for sure. The, 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 the minister can't, could he have done it any differently and then camouflage a reality? I mean, that would be lying, right? No, no, no. What, what is a problem, of course, is that the minister is in coalition course with his own party in terms of policy, and that is why I say crisis, um, because there's a policy difference in terms of what the minister expects. They've got an ANC which has got a, a very uh, heavy outlook towards a social uh, expenditure budget, so one which seeks to promote social grants and so on, which is not a bad thing because in the face of the poverty that we have, you must expect the majority of our people to be assisted. But there's also the challenge of wanting or failing to balance between social expenditure and the generation of taxes. Now, if your environment is not conducive for tax um, revenue and tax generation, you are unable to meet out the kind of social obligations you have. And the boldest admission to that is the fact that you've got a, a revenue um, deficit. I mean, as I was saying, 234 billion rands. But secondly, you've got the heavy burden um, of the so, uh, state-owned entities. Um, you've got ESCOM, SAA, Danel, and so on, which are at the very top end of the burden. Now, the minister asks the fundamental question, What should we continue having these? And he then pivots, of course, to allay the anxieties of the um, ANC by saying, if we have them, what do we do? But fundamentally, we as the IFP have been calling for public-private partnerships. And the minister calls for those kinds of outlooks as well. The ANC is not in agreement um, with that. So those are the kind of things um, which create problems. I mean, I can say on good authority um, the fact that um, the quite a large number of, of ANC MPs were not happy with the budget yesterday um, simply because it does not respond to the kind of envisaged outlook that you have. The minister is obviously pro-business and pro-market and expects businesses to create the jobs and drive the economy. And what is fundamental also to that is ESCOM is the backbone of this economy. No business in South Africa is going to be able to operate if there's the energy supply is in question. So because the unbundling um, rhetoric within the ruling party, governing party, um, is so misplaced because it seeks to create a bureaucracy within a bureaucracy, you find yourself at every tail end of the argument having to arrive at a, con a conclusion which is unconstitutional consistent with policy. That is the fundamental problem. So when we speak of a crisis, it's because we're speaking about policy inconsistency. The increases to the social grants were quite minimal compared to what was expected by some commentators because the um, the social grants are a flagship project and program um, of the ANC, particularly in an election year. And the minister sort of just did not walk down that route because, one, we do not have the money. But secondly, mm -hmm. um, it's because generally he believes that the only way to get us out of that mess um, of an economy that's not growing and not creating jobs is to move away from these kind of things. So that is where the crisis comes in. And I, until we answer the fundamental question, one of the SOEs, look, Ashraf, SOEs are bleeding the fiscus. Mm -hmm. um, you, you've got like SAA um, used about 6.1 billion rands of its guarantees. They're speaking about unbundling now. But the one point I want to make 
or maybe two insofar as SAA is concerned to illustrate the depth of the problem is that SAA generates revenue to the tune of 31 billion rands every year on average but the expenditure is 33 billion rands mm. and so every year the national fiscus must therefore before it sorts out any other mess in SAA must plug the hole of this um, revenue shortfall of 2 billion rands. On top of that, there's the corruption which has crippled it. But what compounds the problem is you've got an SAA board, the mother body, but then you've got subsidiary boards for SA technical, um, for air shifts and so on. And that is where we're bleeding because you've created a bureaucracy within a bureaucracy. When you, so when you want to unbundle, you simply rubber stamping that kind of inefficiency. So if you want to roll that kind of model out to ESCOM, you are certainly setting up, up on coalition course um, with actually escaping the current difficulties that we have now. Okay, more to come. 0891-104-207. You can engage as well. Some people are asking questions on uh, WhatsApp voice notes as well, and I'll certainly look at that in just a moment. I'm also very interested uh, going forward about the role of, of where, where Encarta fits in or the IFP fits in uh, now as we get to the election. We've certainly touched on that before when I had uh, Mkuleko Klengwa in as my guest, but let's get some more detail with him in a moment. Hey, sweetie. What's wrong, love? Our relationship has not been the best recently, Tamba, and it needs some spicing up. I'm aware, my love. That's why I have booked an appointment at Men's Clinic International. <laughs> oh, thank you, my babe. Women love a man who puts their needs first. Thank you, baby. Men's Clinic International, for help with your relationship difficulties. SMS help to 32110 or send a please call me to 072-315-2574. Keys and C's apply. SMSs cost one rent. The summer of cricket continues this Sunday in the second test series between the Proteas and Sri Lanka on day four. SABC Sport gets up close and personal with the Sport Hero of the Week on Playing for the Coach on SABC One at 2.30 p.m. Then at 3.30, the Dodda Duba Black Leopards welcome the Lions of the North Highlands Park in the EPSA Premiership Clash on SABC One. Brought to you by SABC Sport for the love of the game. Join the party on top billing this Sunday evening as Dumelo and Celeste Matsose are the high school sweethearts building epic new restaurants. Top Model South Africa discovers the face of tomorrow and artists Richard Mudariki and Patrick Bongoi grab the world's attention. That's top billing Sunday at 5.30. Repeat Tuesday at 3.30 on SABC3. SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. So much more to talk about with my guest who is the uh, national spokesperson for the IFP. He's also the chairperson of the IFP Youth Brigade and the IFP Member of Parliament, as I've said earlier on. Okay, there's a voice note. Let me play that. Good evening, gentlemen. I think it's time we had this discussion about changing, you know, our electoral system because at the beginning, some of us were totally against the system we have now. We wanted the straight uh, constituency-based one, for, but we were told that uh, we needed to in, be inclusive and have proportional representation also. But I think it's time we go straight for the constituency base. So we, we can, if we want more, uh, as we say, accountability. So let's leave out the proportional representation. If parties don't make the thresholds, so be it. Speak easy from Durban. Okay, speak easy from Durban. There we are. Uh, okay, I, I don't think we need a comment from uh, my guest because we, we've certainly touched on that before. Let's uh, just, just, just your take in terms of 
dealing with the SOEs. ESCOM, of course, on top of that, but you can include SAA, including the SABC and many others. Uh, what's your take in dealing with them? Well, there's two things, Ashraf. One, government is not a job creator. It, it must actually create an environment. It must enable business to operate and so on. So when it becomes a play and a referee, you run into problems. One of the problems we've had with SAA, of course, you will consider that ComA, for example, has complained about the fact that SAA has sort of got a government monopoly and simply because the rules of engagement are not correct. But at the same time, we do need to protect the strategic economic uh, realities of our economy and not to give in 100% into the hands of business. So in doing that, we are calling for a public-private partnership in strategically I'm in these SOEs. Let me make this example, Ash, because we've touched on SAA. You've got SAA, which continues to drain the fiscus, and we have to do bailout upon bailout. But the fundamental question becomes, who's traveling on SAA? And then you recognize that it's an elitist mode and form of transport, which leaves behind the majority of our people struggling because they're not flying. So if that's the case, shouldn't we rather be injecting more money into infrastructure and modes of transport, therefore your bus transport, revamping the taxi industry and ensuring that our rail infrastructure is in order because the majority of our people are using that type of transport. So the opportunity cost needs to be, do we spend on what is luxurious or do we spend on what is an essential and daily need of the majority of our people? And that is where SOEs need to be a priority. So it cannot be functional to the extent to which we expect under the current circumstances where we are spending on the high-end mode of transport. Yes, for for sure, we do need to have um, flights in the country and, of course, to bring in tourists because tourism is part and parcel of the broader economic fabric of this country. But when it becomes an expenditure within expenditure, then that's where it falls short. Our primary responsibility is to ensure that the day-to-day -day activities of South Africans are catered for. That's the first thing. Secondly, we cannot have SOEs which find themselves not situated in their line function departments. So for starters, we need to do away with the Department of Public Enterprises, take SAPC to um, the Department of Communications, take SAA to the Department of Transport, Danel to Defense and so on, because that is where you actually begin to determine the strategic um, objectives of the SOEs because it, it is within the land function department. Now you've got strategic determinations of defense being made by the Department of Defense, but the execution of those things will rely upon the Department of Public Enterprises to meet them out insofar as the management and maintenance of the SOE is concerned. So it also speaks to the alignment of these SOEs in government. And the reforms that we've been calling for of trimming down the executive cabinet must also cater for that particular reality and eventuality because most of the technical and management skills about the sectors do not lie with the Department of Public Enterprises. They lie within departments. That would set us into a motion whereby we would be able to manage these, in, uh, um, these, these SOEs better. Okay, more to come. In fact, there's a couple of calls that I, that I wish to take. Uh, Mtandeki from uh, Kronstadt, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, hi, Ashraf. Good evening and good evening to your guests. Good, good evening, Good to sir. connect with you. Uh, you know, Ashraf, the only point I'm interested to just 
take your guest for clarity on is this question of the of the constituency based system and the budget aspect which he referred to that he's referring to some members of ANC not being happy with the budget. Now, he also referred earlier that he's speaking with authority or authoritative reference. Now, my concern is unless he can confirm authoritatively that what he says that ANC is not happy with the budget, we can regard that as an allegation and uh, electioneering. I therefore kindly request that whilst we take note of elections, yeah, but we must not really spin stuff to the extreme. The constituency issue, I must indicate that many citizens of the country, when they go abroad, in, abroad including political parties, they portray how our constitution is a unique and of its own compared to others. But when you come to the question of uh, emphasizing the constituencies to the detriment of the current system, we should not confuse challenges to the fundamentals. Now, the question of this PR system is a fundamental consensusly parties agreed to apply. And therefore, I do not really think it is uh, time enough to reconsider that. Let's okay. continue building our democracy. And on, on the way, we then pick up this specific thing that may require agent review, but not now. Okay. Well, that, that of course, is the opinion of uh, Imtandeki. Uh, without repeating some of the things we said, anything you want to just pick up uh, from that? Uh, yeah, no, from? yeah, t- two things. I mean, look, I, sp- I say what I say authoritatively. I'm not speculating. I'm not making allegations. But um, it was actually a statement which I also make to highlight the extent to which the problem before us is and the fact that there is a policy inconsistency within the ANC itself. And even assuming that I was speculating, that reality would actually prevail even if I was speculating because the ANC one is a broad church. You are dealing with an, a tripartite alliance which is singing from different hymn sheets but wanting the same um, strategic outcomes and so that on its own is a problem. Even now the unions in alliance with the ANC are up in arms about um, the unbundling of ESCOM. You are dealing with a situation where Kosatu was marching um, for jobs yet they are advocating for um, workers to vote for the ANC. So whether I speak authoritatively or on the basis of allegations the outcome would be the same. But on this point, I speak with authority. I know this to be a fact. Secondly, insofar as the elections, um, the... uh, the electoral system is concerned. I was very clear, and the IFP position remains very clear, in that you're speaking about an integrated system whereby you'd have constituency-based um, members of parliament and a PR system to continue to maintain the checks and balances. Because, of course, we fully understand that the constituency-based based system on its own is not, it's not a silver bullet which will miraculously save um, South Africa, but it does become a tool for checks and balance. I mean, you've got the UK now, which is a, a, a constituency-based system. They are contemplating moving to PR systems. So people who have done this for donkey years themselves um, are on, are on that trajectory. All mm. we are saying is, is that there is a need to give more space 
to voters to hold their public representatives okay. to account more than it is now. Because Ashraf, look, on the 14th of May is that it's the deadline, for example, for when parties can make submissions um, for candidates. Now, if you're not in a in a political party, the extent to which you are influential as a citizen um, to have a say on who gets onto that list is limited. So let's open up the space and um, co-share uh, the realities. Okay. Proportional let's, and constituency right, let's combination. Cl- let's close that topic now because there's many other things to talk about. Uh, For sure. There's a couple of other questions here. So ask your guest if he doesn't think that the Prince Butelezi's term is long overdue as the president from Sean uh, in Cape Town. No, I don't. And I think that the IFP is on public record and Prince Butelezi himself. On the 19th of January, he had a press conference following the extended National Council where he explained that um, he had acceded to the request of the party to lead this campaign and that the conference of the party would sit in July and he would step down at that conference. Mm. And we have made a nomination of Velenko Senechlabisa um, to take over once the president leaves. Um, and of course, that is subject to conference agreeing to that. Secondly, um, Comrade Labisa is currently the Secretary General of the party and the CEO, which in the main means that he is running the affairs of the party um, and the Prince is working alongside him and Comrade Labisa working alongside the Prince to make sure that we manage and maintain a healthy transition um, for the IFP. We comprehensively explained um, to the public and we are happy to do so again that um, we wanted to hold a conference before these elections, but um, we found ourselves in the difficulty of bogus branches. We had to undergo a very thorough process of auditing and we have completed that. But the toss-up was, do we go to conference or do we fight the elections? And so we believe we have been able to set out a roadmap for the IFP which is in the collective interests of the party and South Africans. And so in July that conference will sit and Pris Butelezi will continue even after that conference to play an advisory role and the party will determine for him even further um, what he does for so long as he is able to do so. Okay, here's another one. Why doesn't Mr. Klangwa take over as president of the IFP since he's capable of, and young? This will afford uh, Ntwana to retire gracefully. Of course, you made the point about retirement already. But here's the Not question sure. about you. What about you taking over as president? Is, no, is, that would be very presumptuous because it would mean me preempting the structures of the party. Um, the structures of the party, which are the branches and the constituencies, will make the determination of who becomes president. They've already pronounced on that and that their nominee is Comrade Vilenko Senechlabisa, a nomination which I fully support, particularly in my capacity as the um, chairperson of the Youth Brigade. And secondly, I think the party has given me personally um, a number of responsibilities which I think I have not even fulfilled um, um, their term of office and so if I was to become a position hopper um, it would spell crisis and I think that I've got age on my side and the party will be able to utilize me um, however it deems fit today, tomorrow, well into the future at this point in time all of us in the IFP are fully behind the nomination of Felinko Sinitlabi so we consider him to be a competent um, leader who will be able to take the IFP forward, particularly on the basis of the values, the mission and the vision that the IFP has for this country. All right, which brings me on to uh, a couple of other points. In course, Sinati Wall saying, uh, ask Mr. Hlengwez, uh, what are they doing as a party to attract non-traditional Zulu people and supporters beyond KwaZulu-Natal in real margins? Because as things stand, they're more appealing to KZN and some parts of Joburg where hostels are prevalent. It's an important election issue. No, it, it, it is indeed. And we have been 
thoroughly um, committed to ensuring that the national footprint of the IFP extends well beyond our base. Um, as I speak to you right now, the national chairperson of the party is leading the party's efforts in Limpopo in the Northwest. I was just in discussion with him today, getting reports in so far of how far we are, and that is going well. We are inaugurating branches there as well. Um, you look at the Eastern Cape, we've got quite a, a good presence there as well, and an Eastern Cape leadership in the Free State, the Deputy Secretary General is leading the party's efforts in Pumalanga, the national chairperson of the Women's Brigade is leading those efforts. Um, here in the Western Cape, Comrade Lizo van der Merwe is leading our efforts. So, And in Gauteng, of course, we have got a competent leadership there as well. So wherever we look, we are keenly focused on ensuring that um, the national footprint of the IFP um, is the whole of South Africa um, and beyond, given the fact that um, South Africans abroad can be voting. So what I can assure South Africans is that um, we will be on every ballot for every province because we want to make sure that the IFP is available to all South Africans who consider um, our mission for this country of good governance, service delivery, corruption free governance, um, serving the people of this country in the spirit of Ubuntu Boto and ensuring that we restore the economy onto a trajectory. But, but what, what is your plan? I mean, we'll talk about your manifesto in a second. But what's your plan sure. in terms of, of actually strategically be able to to garner votes and and move up. In fact, maybe hold that thought because I want to know where you are now and what are your plans to really get maximize those votes in a moment. Are you a night owl? Need a late night movie fix? Look no further. SABC3 bring you late night movies at 10 p.m. every Sunday night. Don't miss Rachel getting married on the 10th of Feb. Easy Virtue on the 17th of Feb and Stronger Than Fiction on the 24th of Feb. Late Night Sunday Movies, only on SABC3. In business, asking what if is important. Like in 1873 when someone asked, what if we sold our aromatic tooth cleaner in jars? Or in 1896, what if we called it toothpaste and sold it in tubes? 150 years and thousands of what ifs later, Colgate has an operating income of around 3.6 billion US dollars. It's just one of over 300 exceptional companies in the CoreShares Global Dividend Aristocrats ETF. What if it was one of your investments? Visit coreshares.co.za. CoreShares is a registered FSP. Lots more to come as we continue chatting about the IFP and where they're going to go. And I think that's really important. But uh, it's also the time for you to be reminded of the South African Premier Business Awards, okay? So these awards put together by the Department of Trade and Industry in partnership with Proudly South African and Brand SA. Now, there's a call for entries. The deadline is tomorrow, in fact. So go to the website, uh, and the website address is SA Premier Business Awards, SA Premier Business Awards.co.za. If you also need to call, you can find out tomorrow. And here's the number. It's 86 184 Rewarding excellence in business. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Right, that's Imkuleko uh, Klengwa with me. He's the, from the IFP. He's the IFP National Spokesperson. He's our big hitter for the night. He's the IFP Youth Brigade Chairperson as well. Right, so, okay, I'll talk about the manifesto in a second. For I'm sure. just interested. You, I, I know you mentioned all these names in diverse provinces. Fair enough. But beyond just appointing people who are competent, what's the strategy to try and make a serious impact about getting votes? So that, that question about the IFP being a rural or provincial 
a KZN party will not be asked of you again? Well, look, we are a work in progress, but I think, Ashraf, the, the one reality which South Africans must appreciate is that um, all parties have got a base. And so we're not going to run away from the fact that um, we've got a particular part of the province where we are strongest. And secondly, the interventions that I'm speaking about have been yielding results and the parties growing in those provinces and those areas. That the strategic outlook is to interact and engage with South Africans. It may take a while for all of for our efforts to reach every corner of South Africa. Um, and so that is why we appreciate it that we get these opportunities that you give to us to be able to speak to the broader South African audience because, of course, then the follow-through becomes our responsibility as well as a party on people who want to engage with us. So what we are saying is that we've got an open-door policy to all South Africans to interact and engage with us wherever they are. And secondly, um, the investments that we are making in terms of the groundwork we are doing in the various provinces indicates to us that um, we are doing well. Um, and and we want to keep that momentum going. Um, and I firmly believe that um, if we do that, we will be able to get our message um, across the, 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 the country. The basic unit of mobilization, of course, is the branch. And so we're setting up these branches throughout the country um, so that we can be able to ensure that we reach everyone. And where we have not um, been available, we will be available. We are a work in progress. And also, it must be appreciated that we are recovering from a split um, which took place in 2011 mm, and mm. so on. So we have had a, our fair share of setbacks, um, but that has not prevented us as a party from keeping going. And the the fact that we keep going and succeeding is attributed to the fact that in 2011 we only won two municipalities, in 2016 we won won 13 municipalities. You look at our by-election trajectory, it speaks to a party that is growing. Even where we are not winning these by-elections, certainly though we are actually growing our numbers um, in all those by-elections. So the indications are that um, we are a party which has fully engaged itself in a growth trajectory and we but we rely on the strong partnership that we have with South Africans and of course we want to you know invite South Africans to critique us and to give us the necessary advice and guidance on how best we can um, spread this noble mission and vision we have of service to the people of this country. And, and what are your expectations percentage-wise for the election? Well, I would not want to count our chickens before they hatch. That would be one undermining the electorate. But, but I mean, there must be some expectations. No, there, of course, there are expectations. But um, I think if one were to present those expectations in the public domain, you begin to stunt yourself already. Um, let's allow the electoral um, discourse to run its full course. You don't expect to win the election, do you? Let's allow the electoral discourse <laughs> to run its course. All right. There's been concerns, and it's ongoing, around... Uh, violence amongst political opponents. So this is very different from traditional, sadly, violence in our country. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, a part of those opponents would be the would be the ANC, the IFP, and maybe others as well. What, what's what's your thoughts on what what can you? Obviously, you can't condone the violence, but there's a sense amongst people that different parties are deliberately knocking off each other. I'm not saying who, but but I hear that too often. Well, at the outset, let me condemn the violence. The AFP strongly condemns the acts of violence which we have seen, particularly in Guazulu Natal, Northwest. Um, 
provinces and Gauteng to say, look, it is not in the collective interest of our democracy for us to be regressive in how we interact with one another politically. It cannot be that our democracy is going to yield um, violent outcomes. And so we are calling for cooperation internally and externally amongst um, parties. Um, and of course, political parties themselves have got a duty and a responsibility to ensure that their internal systems are consistent with democratic practices so that they do not um, have people um, actually wanting to respond with violence. The Moriane Commission, which was um, constituted in Guazulu Natal, for example, um, was very clear about that particular aspect that most often than not, um, the challenge is that party internal processes um, pit comrades against comrades. We have been fortunate in the IFP um, not to have that kind of interaction of comrades. We've been able to amicably deal with our issues without them spilling, it, spilling over um, into violence. And we are calling on all our counterparts in the political parties to actually take this matter very seriously. Um, and if there's a need for us to sit down and share ideas um, in terms of of how we can curb this violence into which you know, uh, manifests itself internally in political parties. Let us do that because what we want to do is to create a democratic environment which allows the citizens to participate without the shadow of fear. Um, and I want to thank the IFP comrades really because they've conducted themselves um, since our inception um, in a manner which is consistent with that outlook which desists um, from violence. And so the challenges, of course, particularly in Guazulu Natal, um, lie with the ANC. And I think it's tragic that the ANC finds itself at the receiving end of internal violence um, generally, but specifically at the receiving end of violence from wherever it comes from. And so we are calling for political sobriety so that we do not compromise the collective safety of our citizens and our democracy. Are you, are you suggesting um, it's more an ANC issue rather than... No, an for ANC sure. Issue? That 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 is very clear that this is fundamentally an ANC problem, but one which none of us can ever celebrate because none of us want violence to become a, a feature of our democracy. Whether So whether it manifests itself in the ANC or the IFP or wherever, it cannot be celebrated, but the call one is making is that the ANC will be well served to take a step back and review its own internal processes and its deployment policies because much of the violence stems out of the fight for control over resources at municipal level. And so it's important that they clamp down on that. And we, I do not, when the FP does not make this kind of statement out of glee or in celebration because it stains all of us as a country when violence becomes a feature um, of our discourse. But what I am saying is that the ANC is duty-bound to take a moment of introspection and actually correct its own internal processes so that it curbs this escalation of violence. Okay, let's talk about the manifesto right after this. Hi, I'm David, an HP print oncologist. When you buy an HP printer, you buy a system that is designed to work together to give you the best quality prints, the printer, the paper, and the ink. But if you change one component of that system, is it the same? Would you pour sparkling water into your coffee machine? If your answer is no, why put non-original HP ink into your printer? Always choose original HP ink for optimal results. Visit myhp.co.za to buy original HP toner cartridges. It's Cancer Shaveathon time, so let's give color to hope. Go to your nearest participating shopping center on 2 March.
shave, spray or donate your hair in support of cancer survivors. Get your workplace, school or sports club to host a Shaveathon from 4 to 8 March. For more info, visit shaveathon.org.za or call cancer toll free on 0800-226622. This is a SABC Foundation supported initiative. Not sure what to do on Friday nights? SABC3 brings you great Friday night movies this February. On 1 Feb at 10.30pm, join us for Fatal Memories. Then on 8 February at 9.30pm, join us for Buried Secrets. On 15 February at 9.30pm, cuddle up on the couch for Barefoot. And then on 22 February at 9.30pm, we end February Friday nights with City of God. The best Friday night movies with SABC3. Hitting interviews on SAFM. We've got about uh, what uh, just under ten minutes, about seven or eight minutes left with Imkuleko uh, Klangwa, who's the who's a IFP MP amongst other things, also the national spokesperson for the IFP. He's the chairperson of the IFP Youth Brigade as well. Oh eight nine one one zero four two seven. Maybe time for one more call uh, or two if you want to get in very quickly. Let's let's then talk about your. Your manifesto. I mean, what, what, maybe without getting, we don't need massive detail, but I think for there's sure. like five key things that that for you is is what you stand for. What would they be? No, for sure. Um, Ashraf asked, let me invite South Africans to join us on the 10th of March at the Chatsworth Stadium um, when we launch our manifesto um, as the IFP. We believe that it is a set of commitments which will take this country on the right trajectory of economic growth and job creation. The manifesto, of course, will cover many aspects, but there are five key areas which the party has focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, econ- the economy, um, jobs, education, health care, um, justice, and we have looked at the question of land and land redistribution, resti- restitution, and so on extensively. So it is a comprehensive roadmap for South Africa for the next five years um, in, in the main, but more specifically a roadmap for the future. Um, what we want to do is we want to see um, heightened economic activity, particularly at a local level. We want to see beneficiation becoming part and parcel of the economic trajectory um, of this country. Skills development consistent with the needs of the job market is what we aspire for, particularly when we've got the fourth industrial revolution staring us in the face. But at the same time, also understanding that South Africa has not yet arrived um, at the epicenter of the fourth industrial revolution. So moving forward, that becomes uh, important that we take South Africans along by developing the kind of skills which will transition us accordingly for that. We are looking at infrastructure development more holistically um, as the IFP because we believe that it is a driver for economic growth and economic development. Um, you, we, are, we are settled with a situation where um, the justice system is not responsive to the majority of South Africans. And so there are reforms which need to take place. Um, there is well, we are mooting issues again like the corruption court, the fact that um, we need to do away more forcefully and more strongly with the requirement of having an attorney and an advocate um, if you want to go to court, reducing the costs of court.
import access and so on because that's become a stumbling mm. block. Mm. So what I can assure South Africans is that we took the time to look at South Africa yet again more broadly and then had targeted and specific interventions um, in all the areas. There's a particular focus on ensuring that we make municipalities hive of um, South African government and governance as opposed to this top-heavy national government scenario we have. I think the budget yesterday was very clear that we are still saddled, saddled with that problem whereby you have um, almost 45% going to national government and yet again almost 45% going to provincial governments and municipalities we at, which are at the core face um, of service delivery and government receiving only 9.1% of the, of the budget. So those are all the things we seek to um, 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 push back on um, in, uh, as, as the IFP. And of course we are extremely, extremely concerned about the escalating levels of gender-based violence and there's a comprehensive plan um, for that as well which includes but is not limited to the ensuring that women find their rightful place in mm, the South mm. African society de- dealing with issues of the gender pay gap for example the fact that on average women earn less than 23% to their male counterparts for doing the exact same job so broadly and specifically those are all the issues we'll be looking at I think um, the IFP has done very well at diagnosing one the South African problem but most importantly having targeted interventions and solutions to the problems that we face. Okay and and, and I take it well well of course you you're not giving us much more detail because that's ahead of the actual manifesto launch. For sure. right? What's the reason for for a rather delayed manifesto launch compared to the other parties? Well it's well fundamentally Ashraf it's, it we wouldn't call it a delay but it also speaks to the fundamental flaw in the electoral system in this country that the announcement of the election date remains the sole prerogative of the president um, but we do know that he would have um, consulted with his ANC counterparts um, to determine a date and so can you imagine had we um, launched our manifesto in November last year anticipating that elections would be in February the kind of secrecy which surrounds um, the election timeline in this country is part and parcel of the electoral reforms that we need to institute but more specifically Ashraf if you look at the IFP for the past um, few years we have always launched our manifesto give or take around about the same time um, in March Um, and um, but of course the the issue remains that we are calling for the overhaul of the electoral system to include the revamping of the election timetable which should go to the extent to which we must know the next election date the day after the day we have an election because that enables parties to plan because the challenges for so-called smaller parties such as us is that there's fundraising implications for this we need to pace ourselves and so so the system is unjust towards where where there's um, insider knowledge from for there's insider knowledge for for one party and the other parties must be chasing it okay we're going to wrap up there's just one whatsapp voice note i need to play let's do that first evening gentlemen uh i think we are living in a times when coalitions are inevitable so i just wanted to get uh mr famous uh point of view on maybe what's his take on a national coalition government what is what's his point of view Okay, coalition government. Uh, we got you got thirty seconds to make that point. We're going to wrap up. <laughs> it's a big issue, but you know, uh, yeah, I, couldn't, it, it, I couldn't ask you because you're probably going to win the election as per your uh, 
unable to say where, where you're going to pitch at. But what's your take on coalition? Anyway? Let us allow the electoral discourse ah, to run its course. But at the same time, um, we are not um, foreign to coalition arrangements as the IFP as well. I mean, we're in a, we're in a coalition with the DA in the city of Johannesburg, for example. They're in a coalition with us and quite a number of municipalities in Guazulu Natal. But at this point in time, none of us in the IFP will not commit itself um, to a coalition partner because that would be preempting the election. Post the election, if the need arises, the IFP is readily available to interact with any party and we will assess okay. um, the strategic outlook um, of all the manifestos and the one which best responds to our issues and our vision will be the one that we go. Okay. So there's nothing cast in stone at this point in time. Let's respect the electorate. Let's allow the elections to run their course. All right, we'll see who you talk to post uh, May Eight. Let's leave it at that. Thank you for your time. That's uh, in Kuleko Kulengwa from the IFP, the national you. spokesperson there, amongst many other titles. Thank you for being our big hitter for the night. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the media and corruption and how does it get intertwined with